Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 10 of Bleeding Blue. Renato, it's our 10th episode special. How do you like that? I love it. I love it. Bleeding Blue. Bleeding Blue. I love it. So thank you. Thank you for everybody who's you know, kind of supported and listened and whatever. All right, so thank you. But today, it's a sad, sad podcast day. I'm smiling and laughing through the pain. The Yanks did take three out of four in kind of a sluggish series against the Rangers. That's a good word to describe the Yankees team lately. They lose a rough game against the Mets and lose two out of three against the Rays in an excruciating series, to say the least. Renato and I were at the game on Thursday to see what might have been the most frustrating game of the year. There's lots and lots to talk about with this lifeless, sluggish, lethargic baseball team. It is just Renato and I here today. We're here to talk all about it. So without further ado, let's bleed blue. All right. Welcome back. What a day to talk about the Yanks. Huh, Renato? Oh, man. Today was like a crazy, 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 crazy game. Crazy game. Yeah, it was certainly nuts. It's been a it's been a crazy few weeks. But we'll get to that. I want to promote our typical housekeeping stuff to begin with. Follow me on Twitter at jpenix 74 Follow the podcast, Bleeding Blue, New York Giants, Yankees podcast on SoundCloud. I am trying my best to get the, to get the podcast on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. Keeping it on SoundCloud, but then also posting it to iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. Trying my best, having trouble. If anybody has any advice on how to do this, please let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at jpenix 74 There you go. Listen to our previous episode of Bleeding Blue, where we interviewed Drew Casey, the Yankees on-camera host for pregame coverage at Yankee Stadium. Renata, we had a heck of a time with Drew, didn't we? Uh, that, Drew is awesome to talk to. So if you guys have a chance to listen to our episode yet, just please listen in. Yes, it was absolutely an awesome time. Drew is absolutely awesome. He took time out of his busy schedule to talk to us. We, he told a fantastic, fantastic stories about his career so far in sports radio, play-by-play broadcasting. He's gone to South Korea to cover the Winter Olympics. He's told a really funny story about Derek Jeter and Dylan Batances. 
during uh, Derek Jeter's last All-Star game in 2014 in Minnesota. So tune in to hear those stuff, hear that stuff. Tell Drew, you know, you you want to know what you should do? If you don't have Twitter, make a Twitter. First of all, follow me on Twitter. But then also, if you enjoyed that episode, tweet at me, tweet at Drew underscore Casey and say that you really enjoyed the episode. That would be kind of awesome. You'd be kind of helping us out. And I'm sure Drew would appreciate it as well. So that's something to do. If you're a first time listener, I always forget to do this whenever I'm podcasting. If you're a first time listener, this is a podcast called Bleeding Blue. It's a Giants podcast, New York football Giants. It's a New York Yankees evil empire podcast. This podcast you're listening to now is after the Rays series. We have the Toronto Blue Jays coming up. But Renato, let's just get right into it. I'm dancing around talking about the inevitable and getting upset and getting angry and crying. So, so where should we start first, Justin? Let's just start. I kind of thought about this. It's, it's a new segment that I like to call things Aaron Boone does wrong. So maybe instead of maybe instead of Renato's top five moments this week, we think of a couple things that Aaron Boone did wrong and we just talk about it because even though I'm not necessarily a blame the manager type of guy, I'm more of a blame the players type of guy. I just feel like ever since this Boston series, such a huge piece of conversation has been, you know, blaming the manager. And you want to know what? I'm kind of jumping on the boat of blaming the manager and blaming the coaching staff in the front office, especially this series against the Rays. There were just some things that have happened that you, there are no excuses around. Agree. So let's do, how about this? We're going to, we're going to Quentin Tarantino this. Do you know what Quentin Tarantino does in some of his movies? No idea. He starts at the end of the movie and then he like works his way backwards. Okay. So why don't we just start off with, I was about to say Sunday again. Okay. So quick little story. (laughs) Justin, myself. Hi, I'm Justin, by the way. My co-host is Renato. Michael Bokra, our other co-host, typically who's typically here during the Yankee episodes, he is not here. His father's getting some tests done in the hospitals, hospitals, hospitals in the hospital. He's okay. Michael Bokra's father is okay, but keep him in your thoughts. Bokra has written us a heartfelt, angry message that we will be alluding to time to time. I've been thinking that every single time that we record a podcast, that it's Sunday, even though. The past couple times that we've recorded a podcast, it's been a day other than Sunday. And I've made that mistake in my brain. Today is Thursday. Okay. Let's start with Thursday. Today's game against the Tampa Bay Rays and then work our way backwards. How does that sound? So that, 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 that sounds, I mean, I got a lot to say about today's yeah. game. So. We're going to start off with Thursday's game because that's the headline. That's the big game. That was the devastating game. The game that everybody wanted to punch a wall, punch themselves, Ken Giles style. I mean, I mean that definitely was Ken Giles worthy. No that, that was definitely Ken Giles worthy. Scream. Right. Like, I don't really have my, I don't really have my best radio voice, my best podcast voice right now, because I was actually screaming at this Yankee game today. Justin was irate. For that. I was, I was irate. I was irate. And we're going to, we're going to get into it right now, right now. First inning. Let's start off with the first inning today. Renato, take it away. So Tanaka. Decided to be like, you know what? My splitter's not going to work in the first inning. Nah, nah. I think I was going to hit it. So we got a leadoff double, right? Then another double. 
and then make it one nothing Tampa Bay, and then the strangest play happened. Right, Justin? Absolutely. Okay. So what happened was, right, Tiny Pham hit a double down the left field line. Jake Bowers was rounding towards third, and he's out He's out by like 100 feet. Like, it, it wasn't even close, right? But Andor was behind the back, so he had to go reach back towards the third base and try to get Bowers from getting into um, scoring position, right, at third base. So what happened was Bowers was trying to slide towards the third base as well as Andohar. And apparently it looked like from, from where I was standing, from where I was sitting, that the guy missed the base completely. Like I, I wasn't sure the Andohar tagged him or not originally. But I knew I knew Bowers missed the play completely. And then for some reason, the umpire just stands and lets him go home. Yeah, and Renato, from the beginning at the stadium, you were like, he he missed the base. I, I was and, looking yeah. directly at the dirt base. He never touched the base. And never. obviously the and obviously the umpire knew that he missed the base since he didn't call him safe, neither did he call him out. So right. the umpire either clearly saw that he missed the base or you know what I what a lot of people really think that he was is that he was just confused as hell as to what what the hell was even happening. From what I remember correctly, the ruling is if you miss the base and you go out of the baseline, then you're automatically out. We remember we seen that play with Adrian Beltre when he went into left field a couple years ago, like jokingly, and they called him automatically out on that. Right, right, absolutely. So my guess is the umpire didn't know what to do in that situation, which was the first of two bonehead plays by this umpire crew today. No offense, umpire. I mean, there's a couple of good veteran umpires in that game today, but it was, it was atrocious. I'm sorry, atrocious. So the runner from second, the guy who initially hit the ball, which was Tommy Pham, he advances to third on the throw by Andujar. So what happened was then the guy started going home. And right. Andohar didn't know what to do. Andohar thought he tagged him. So apparently it was a run-up between third and home, and that allowed Sam to go to third. Right. So it, it basically Andohar and the runner at third, it basically turned into a game of tag. Instead of Andohar throwing the ball to home and it turning into a rundown, it turned into a game of tag where Andohar chased down the runner as he was running home, really? and that allowed the, Tommy Pham to advance to third. But the, the ruling should have been – He's out at third with, with Sam staying at second. That's what should have been the rule. And they got that wrong. Luckily, boom, luckily, we'll, here, we'll, 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 we'll get there. Luckily, Tanaka with one out, runner on third, already allowing two runs in the inning, gets out of the inning clean. Does not, that, was a bad, that was a bad job by the Tampa Bay Rays, not getting that runner home from third with one out. So great job by Tanaka. To get out of that inning, Aaron Boone came out for that call, you know, for what was presumably a bad call. A lot of us at the stadium were pretty confused because we didn't really know the rule. Where I, you know, I have to, you know, you got to give Renato credit. He, you know, he jumped on it from the start where, you know, he was like, he missed the base. And clearly, runner should have stayed at second. And that should have been it. There should have been no rundown. So Aaron Boone had an opportunity right from the start of the game to come out and set the tone for the team. 
defend his guys. Instead, what happened, Renato? What happened? Let's just say he, he came out and then had a little tea with the umpires, a little, little gathering. Yeah, in the words of uh, Josie jo- jo- McFly, he's like, here comes Aaron Boone to have a, to have a tea party with, uh, with the umpire and a little, a little discussion on a, on a Thursday afternoon. Right. And then, and then he goes right back into the dugout like a little boy he is. I mean, you know, I said it from the start. And really coming out of the dugout, you, you know, this is something that has to be going through your head, not only as a fan, but as a player. I mean, imagine what the players must be asking themselves. Like, they, I'm sure that they want to see something. Am I am I crazy in thinking that that they want to see something out of their manager? Right, and you could tell from the moment it was a two nothing game that the stadium was lifeless. There were like forty one thousand zombies in the stadium. And not only was the stadium lifeless, but this team has been lifeless. They they, they really lifeless. have. I mean, they had, you know, they had a couple good offensive games against Texas, and obviously. Jay Happ helped them out tremendously, tremendously in that, you know, in that, in the second game of the, in the second game of the series, you know, four walks. Okay. But when you allow one hit through seven innings, that's absolutely fantastic. But even with that Jay Happ start, the offense was still pretty sluggish throughout that entire game. So thank God for Jay Happ. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to see something and, this is kind of this is gonna kind of be my question. I I posed this question on Twitter a little earlier, and this is something that Renato and I were talking on the train. Here, here's kind of like our discussion. Is it fair to say that the sense of urgency, you know, we, we're using these words to describe this Yankee team right now, and that's sluggish. That's I use the word lethargic. Is it fair to say that this sense of urgency that you should see in a sports team, that you should see in a baseball team, does that start with the players or the coaches who lead them? I mean, it, it could work both ways. But I, for me, going back to old school baseball back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, the dynasty teams, it, it starts with the coaching staff. I mean, Joe Torrey set a tone. That is plays expected out of them. I mean, you're absolutely right. And if you listen to R2C2, um, they've had Ken Singleton on twice now on that podcast. It's a great podcast. It's hosted by CeCe Sabathia and Ryan Rucco. And Ken Singleton played for the Baltimore Orioles. And I believe, I do not know the manager's name. I do not remember the manager's name. Renato, do you know? Oh, Earl Weaver, right. One of the best managers in baseball history. Yeah, so Ken Singleton on that podcast talks constantly. I think he's been thrown out more than any other manager in oh, Major yeah. Baseball history. Earl Weaver was a five-foot-A son of a gun. <laughs> you do not want to mess with Earl because he will defend his players left and right, argue with umpires all day, all night. Him and Bobby Cox were probably the, and Lou Pinnell, two, three of the most uh, interesting managers in baseball history. No question about that. I love all those three guys. So they're great. You know, so what that does is it sets a tone. It sets a tone for the players. We're here to win. We're here to win. And if I'm going to stand up for you in this way and in this matter, you better show up for me. But, you know, players at the end of the day, they have to perform. 
baseball at the end of the, at the end of the day, obviously you need your players to perform. So it's kind of a game-by-game game basis on who can kind of set the tone. Is it going to be somebody in your lineup? Is it going to be your starting pitcher, whoever's on the mound that day? Is it going to be, you know, like in the Boston Red Sox series when Rick Porcello hit Gardner to start a game? You know, what's going to set the tone? Aaron Boone had an opportunity today in the first inning when the Yankees had a somewhat lackluster inning. And we all know that lately the Yankee magic moments of working their way from behind has been terrible. They have been a terrible baseball team whenever they have lost the initial lead in a game. Would you agree with that, Renato? 100%. I've seen it so many times this year that we'll get to a, a big deficit and the team just shuts down mentally. They're just shutting down. And they I'm examples to, that was on uh, Wednesday's game. And they used to not do that. And that's the crazy part that this team, you know, it, it would be 4 nothing, 5-1, and you would feel comfortable. You'd be like, you know what, what? they're going to come back. They're going to come back because they would, ha- and this would kind of work its way back to last year too, where they would have their magic moments. They would walk it off. They would come back and everybody would feel great because this team would say never die and never quit. That has not been the case. Oh my, you know, even a little bit before the All Star break, but definitely since the All Star break, there's been a different energy around this team. Aaron Boone had a direct opportunity to make an impact on today's game, and not only did he miss that opportunity once <laughs> to go out and argue with the umpires and state his claim, represent his guys, represent his team try to fire a spark. Not only did he miss that opportunity once, he missed it twice. And the second time was even more inexcusable than the first time. It was. So a lot of what I do, so here's, so here's a bit of a summary of the game. Masahiro Tanaka goes out, throws six innings. Not the best line, a solid outing. Hey, another quality start. The Yankees this year are 47 well, before today, they were 47 and four. They are, they were virtually, they are virtually unbeatable when their starters give them a quality start. A quality start in terms of the stats are six innings pitched, three earned runs. So if a pitcher does better, if you know, whenever Yankees starting pitchers give them a quality start, six innings pitched, three earned runs or less. They are 47 and four. Now they are 47 and five since Tanaka gave them a quality start today. You know, virtually unbeatable. Games like this are going to happen, but, you know, it's. I'm at a a loss for words. Renato, do you kind of want to transition into something with this game? I mean, because really, in innings, I can't even think of up until inning eight. What is there to even talk about with this Yankee offense? Up until the eighth uh, inning, until we scored until we scored a run. What is there to talk about with this Yankee offense? Guess what? What? Nothing. Because they were lifeless until the eighth inning. So let's just, let's just jump right into the eighth inning. Let's just jump right there. So and this is another another boon casualty, I would say. Boon a boon namesake of his is that these rookies, Miguel Andujar, Gleyber Torres, you know, they don't have the proper guidance. And Miguel Andujar made a couple of pretty bad plays today. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
And that happened because Malik Smith singled off D-Rob, right? No, normal single. And then Joey Wendell decides, you know what? Let's, let's test Andor. Let's test him. See what he has. Hits a second right towards him. And what happens? Hits the runner. Hits the runner. And he threw it on the baseline right, right into the runner. Like, how can you do that? Explain that to me. Miguel Andujar's bat. I, I've fallen in love with Miguel Andujar's bat. I really have. And I was kind of indifferent to start the year on him. You know, I was a big Drury guy. I was hoping that trade worked. And then he came and he was, you know, he took the job away. Drury had his health problems, whatever. We talked a lot about, you know, Miguel Andujar and Glaber Torres's incredible journey on last week's episode with Drew Casey. But the fielding is a completely different story. Right. You can now tell. And, you know, in the first half of the season, Miguel Andujar's defense, even though the analytics said that he was a very under par, subpar defender. Whatever defensive analytics those are, I don't even know. You know, don't ask me. You know, other, other, some other podcasts and some people on, you know, some reliable people on Twitter, you know, the analytics show that even in the first half of the season where Miguel Andujar, according to the eye test, wasn't terrible defensively, but it has certainly caught up with him the second half. Ever since they've tried to work on his throwing motion. Miguel Andujar has always had this sidearm throw. It's always bothered me. As a boy growing up, my father taught me how to throw a football. My father taught me how to throw a baseball. You turn your body. You step towards your target with the foot. You throw the ball by your ear, and you follow through. Rudimentary. I know. Call me old school. It's worked. And it's worked for a lot of other people who have played Major League Baseball. The sidearm. How can you be a Major League Baseball player, make it up to the Major League level as a third baseman, and get so stuck in this habit of throwing sidearm that the second that anybody else recommends that you throw the ball differently, now he can't even throw the ball at all. You can see his mental thinking process as soon as he fields the baseball. You can actually see him thinking about the throw as he's fielding the ball and as he's getting ready to throw it. It's painful to watch. Even when he delivers a ball normally, and even if he gives a good throw, it's still painful to watch. The double clutch. I mean, not, not even with the double clutch. It's just the whole sidearm approach. Well, and every single, yeah, and well, I mean, he double when I and I think that's part of the sidearm approach is that it's the double clutch because not you need time to get the ball out of your glove, dip it like near your waist, and then lop it kind of like bring it up. It's so inconsistent. It's so inconsistent. I, I don't understand how he's gotten in this habit, and now that he's in this habit, he cannot break it, whatever he does. He can't break it. Right. So, lo and behold, that's an unearned run for David Robertson. Mm-hmm. And now, at this point, it's three to nothing. So, I, I, I exploded at the stadium because Miguel Andujar can't throw a baseball. And there was even a point earlier in the game where he had a play at third base and he barely got a runner out because he double clutched. Right. So, that was the top of the eighth. Take us to the bottom of the eighth, Renato. All right, so go to the bottom of the eighth, all right? Romine singles. 
two outs. And Stan hits a fly ball deep into the right field corner. And what you thought it was before even the umpires ruled it? What did you think it was? I thought it was off the wall fair. Right. So Justin thinks it's off the wall fair. I, I don't know what's going on. I like I thought the ball like hit the pole or something. I, I don't even know what was going on. And then all of a sudden I'm looking at the umpire and he's singing like home run. And we're like, Really? Even Giancarlo was like, I'm like, really? That that went out? Yeah, Giancarlo was basically, by the time they officially called home run, he was more than halfway in between second and third. You saw, oh, yeah, the, you, out, you, you saw the outfielder. The outfielder totally gave up on the ball. The right fielder gave up on the ball. Mm-hmm. Whether he heard and he knew it was a home run right away, according to the umpire's call, or he just thought it was foul. It is very rare to see an outfielder Give up on a play so quickly. Like don't don't you? It, it looked unusual on how quick the right fielder gave up on that play. Right. So that was one of the first things that was weird to me. But then they singled the 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 umpire singled signaled home run pretty quickly. It so is. Stanton basically his home run trot is from third to home because he was pretty much sprinting the entire the entire base pad. Then. What happened after that, Renato? So some some weird things happened with the official call and then the replay. What happened? So the umpires then decide to 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 huddle together on the mound, mm-hmm. and then I think what happened was they called the they called Boone over to see if he wanted to challenge a play, not to challenge to um review the play, right? So. Booney and um, Cash, right? Kevin Cash? Right. That's the race manager, Kevin Cash, yeah. They agreed. They went to video review. And according to review, it was literally off the wall. Like, how do you miss that in right field? I had no idea. <laughs> I, balls, first of all, if that's in the crowd, and if it's bound, it, it, nothing that that ball would hit in the crowd would bounce off that quick. If that baseball hit a person and it went that far back onto the field, call an ambulance because that person is probably dead. <laughs> that ball did not hit the foul pole. The foul poles right. are See, metal. You, uh, you probably hear it. You hear a dink. And also, the baseball wouldn't go that far off the foul pole. Right. It went off, and I mean, it was it was obvious. It was obvious it went off the wall. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, sometimes if you're not following the ball fully, but if you're a paid umpire, that ball obviously went off the wall. Obviously, because you, if you weren't even watching, you could just see how far the ball bounced off of the wall. Didn't process of elimination. It didn't bounce out of the crowd and go that far. It didn't bounce off of the foul pole and bounce that far. What I have a problem with, and I was freaking out over this, they called it a home run. John Carl, that ball bounced so far off the wall, that right fielder really misplayed that ball. He really misplayed that ball. I guess he thought it was a home run, and he was just running towards the wall to just try and make some sort of effort towards it. So I guess he thought it was a home run. He made a terrible effort at that ball because then it bounced off, and it was going towards almost like the infield. It was going towards like second base. 
Right. John Carlos Stanton would have had a easily had a triple, easily maybe had a triple in my in my opinion. Maybe even a chance of the inside of Parker. You know, and this is my and this is my issue. They called it a home run. If they called it like it should have been, which obviously just let the play play out and not called it not called anything and called it a fair ball. You who knows what happens on that play? A ball can sail into the dugout, and you have a little league inside the park home run. We've seen it with Austin Romine. Who knows? Right fielder, if he takes a million years to get to the ball, and Stanton can round third. Who knows? Maybe he can get home on a partially torn hamstring, whatever he's dealing with. He's still running pretty good. Yeah. The fact that they called, I mean, obviously, you can't just say okay. Stanton would have probably gotten to third base. So we're just going to put him on third base. I get it. It's part of the whole baseball rule of quote unquote, it'll be a ground rule double, but I was steaming at the stadium because the difference between also, I mean, the number one, the difference between a two run home run there is huge because then you're only down by one and a difference between having the runner on third is huge rather than having the runner on second, which he would have automatically been guaranteed to be on third if the play had played out as initially, if the, if the ball would just played, you know, play the ball as it lies in a way. So I was steaming. So I'm like, what the bleep is going on? Like, what's going on? How are they going to call this? Because Stanton deserves to be a third, if not a little league inside the, inside the park home run. So I'm like, Boone, I see Boone come out, and I'm like, you have a golden ticket here. The tying run is at the plate right now. Can you do something, please? Managers do not have the opportunity. And this is why I'm not really that hard on Aaron Boone, because managers do not have the ability to have a direct impact on a baseball game every day. It's not every day where managers have that opportunity. Today, twice he had that opportunity failed Miserable. utter complete failure do you have anything to say before i kind of say more more on that um i i mean you you, you know my thoughts on aaron boone i mean no, I, I i i know your thoughts on aaron boone everybody else doesn't know your thoughts on aaron boone so should i say my thoughts on aaron boone yeah please i've been talking a lot all right so i i just don't think aaron boone is right for this team i i just I just think he, he lets lets the players run the asylum. Like Glaber and, and Anderhar and even Greg Bird make the same mistakes on a constant basis. And yeah, they don't get reprimanded for it. You know, they don't get like like not even like a closed door meeting or something, you know. I I, I when, when teams struggle, you hear about closed door meetings, right? Every good team has had closed door meetings. Has the Yankees had one this year? I mean, I don't that's tough. Like we what we we can only evaluate what we see and what we hear. And okay. from obviously from what we've heard or what we haven't heard, the Yankees have not had one of those quote unquote closed door meetings. But we really don't know what is said behind closed doors. But we can only but we can predict based off of what we hear. Well, do you do you remember the um the lashing by uh, who's that coach again? Phil Nevin, the third, the third base coach of, coach of the New York Yankees recently, he seems like he seems to be like the the disciplinarian, really 
tough, hard head, hard ass type of guy where he particularly, there was a game where Glaber had a few errors and he got on everybody, but it was particularly targeted at Glaber. Um, we haven't seen, that was really the only kind of quote unquote outburst or any kind of yelling or rep, you know, reprimand. I mean, but you don't really know what happens behind closed doors. That's the, that's the difficult thing here. That is, but I just, even my dad says like Greg Bird is like a zombie. Like I just, you don't, you don't see like, I just, I'm not seeing this team care right now. I just don't. And you know, what you want to see is some emphasis. You You want to see energy. You want to see a, a spark. And obviously, you know, those things aren't going to come when you're performing well. But we were at the game today, and I was, you know, with the few people that sit around in our section, we were talking about doing the little things right. When things mm-hmm. aren't necessarily going your way. And let's, you know, obviously, if, you're, if you've been following the Yankees, you know that not a lot of things are going right. Two of their best players are hurt. The Yankees, you know, potential Cy Young candidate for the first half of the season one of the best pitchers in the American league is now faulting and he's, but seems to be, he's having a huge fall from grace. Hopefully it's just because teams are tipping his pitches and not because of anything mechanical or health wise, cross your fingers on Luis Severino, you you know, so a lot of things are not going, not going their way, but you can control what you can control. It's the little things. So let me, you know, let's, let's pull up what those little things are. What were the little things? Yeah. So here we go. Having good at-bats, how many times have you heard Aaron Boone? You, this was one of the biggest things, and I like this at spring training. Aaron Boone emphasized having good at-bats, having good at-bats, seeing pitches. <laughs> if there was one thing the Yankees didn't do, especially in the second half of today's game, is see pitches. What does Greg right. Bird do? Bases loaded, no one out. Whoa, we'll skip. We can't skip. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. No, don't skip it. Don't, don't ruin the surprise, Justin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. I, I, skipped right, I skipped right into the bottom of the ninth, didn't I? No, we're, we're backtracking. The third three innings of this game, what did I tell you about the way the Yankee offense was performing? What did I tell you? Well, you said that they have to run. I mean, basically what the Yankees have to do every single game but is run that starting pitcher's pitch count up. That's right. what they're good at. Right. Well, not, I'm not saying that every game had to do it, but particularly with the way Schnell was performing in this game, you could tell he didn't have quite the command of his off-speed stuff. They were like, and I was saying, stiff fastball, work the count, and stiff fastball. They were you know, doing that well for the first three innings. And then all of a sudden, the fourth inning, we had eight pitches. Hmm. Eight pitch inning. I was, I was like, are you kidding me? And the fifth was like 10 or 12 pitches. So they took him out because of his, um, his injury. So you only had 75 pitch count. And, you know, that's tough. And that's tough because it was obvious. There came a point where it became obvious, and Renato saw this really early. It became really obvious that um, Blake Snell did not have his off-speed stuff today. So he was really relying on a couple fastball pitches that he has. You know, whether, you know, it's a two-seamer or four-seamer, he was really relying on those pitches. And clearly he was throwing them well. But if he's throwing strikes, then the Yankees have to swing at him. So it's this tough... It's this tough deal that it became that, you know, there came a point where Blake Snell was in the game, and it's like, well, he's really only throwing fastballs, so there comes a point where you have to swing at the fastballs. But what I was really frustrated with is that after 
six innings, after five, six innings, this was a bullpen game for the Yankees. Right. That those pitchers, those raised pitchers that were coming in, some of them really weren't really, really weren't throwing strikes. And the Yankees were having really, really bad at-bats, swinging at a lot of bad pitches. And those things you can control, those are the little things. Another little thing, holding runners. Malik Smith, leadoff hit. Tanaka, can't hold him. Tanaka really rebounded after the first inning because he had two big pickoffs, one at first, and then a pickoff at second base to end one of uh, to end one of the innings. Glaber had an immaculate tag. Little yeah. things that you can do right. Tanaka did those things today. But in general, Yankee pitchers have not been holding runners on first base. It's been a turnstile for stealing bases, second and third base, ever since Gary Sanchez has gone down on the DL. Yeah. Making good throws in the field. Making simple plays in the field. Pitchers going to cover first base. Infielders making quality throws. Besides Didi Gregorius, that's been difficult to do. It's been a very difficult thing to do to make a play and make a throw to first base. Those, these are the, the little things that you can do in a baseball game to give you the best chance to win the Yankees have not been doing. And when you put a lot of these little things together and you add them up, it's things that Boston does well. You know, you look at a good baseball team. Boston takes each baseball game and they manage it in the way that they know how to. They run well. They play good defense. They hit well. You know, every game is different and things that they can see that they can do well. And you particularly saw it against the Yankees. They saw that they can run on the Yankees all day and all night. They saw that they can take advantage of a lackluster defense and they did it. But when all these little things aren't going your way, you can really see players wanting to try too hard. They, you know, and that's what you really saw. Should we now just skip to the bottom of the ninth? Because that's what I really think the, that what that bottom of the ninth was. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I agree with everything you've said so far. I mean, who said, who said that today in the, in the press conference? It was um, Bird, actually. I think you said he was, he was pressing. He's like his press. I think Glaber said that too. They feel like they've been pressing, you know, a lot lately, and it's especially like a guy like Glaber, rookie. Like those things are gonna haunt him. Andohar is gonna haunt him. Like that's why I'm trying to say we need the coaching that could support the team when things like this happen. When you Absolutely. go to the dog days of summer, you need the coaches there to guide the ship to the ultimate goal, the World Series. Got to guide the ship. And again, I just don't think this coach is doing a good job with that. I don't. You know, so when these little things go wrong, you try too hard to make something happen. Right. And even when something is, I mean, not this isn't something as simple, but even when you had an op- such an opportunity present, like bases loaded, no one out. Bottom of the ninth inning. Bottom of the ninth inning. The fact that th- this baseball team is so lost that they couldn't even find a way to get one of those runs home. That so, just tells you how lost this baseball team is and how much of their identity they have lost. The fact that they have somewhat three respectable, reliable hitters come up that inning with the bases loaded, no one out, and none of them can do anything. So so let, let me go through that, that, that bottom line for you, shall we? 
Let's do it. So Didi, professional bat, gets a count to 2-1, hits a base hit up the middle. Great, great at bat by Didi. Glaber gets down 2-2, right? He pokes a single to right field. Like, we saw how big that gap was, remember? Really big hole between first base and the second baseman was playing right behind the second base bag. It was obvious where the hole was. And Glaber hit it towards the hole. And he, his approach that entire at-bat was, let me try to get the ball to that area. And he did. Great at-bat. Great sign for Glaber. That, that, that was a very good bat by Glaber. And then Neil Walker, the professional hitter. And I'm going to say this, Justin. I want more Neil Walker. I, I think hit, Neil Walker with every day of bats is a very good professional hitter for his team. And you know what? Even when Jordan Sanchez comes back, I want I want Walker in the lineup. I mean, at this point, I mean, we'll get into we're shortly we're we're really going to in a short amount of time get into Greg excuse me, Gregory Bird. But Neil Walker, besides John Carlos Stanton, has been the most complete Yankee player. Obviously, you put John Carlos Stanton, Miguel Andujar, one A and one B for offensive player. And then maybe you can put Didi as the, the third best offensive player. Neil Walker is right there. Neil Walker, without this second half that he's having, especially with Judge and Sanchez out, who knows where we are? So we, you know, Yankee fans just may get their wish to get more Neil Walker. But right now it's just necessity that some of these guys need to be in the lineup, i.e. Shane Robertson and oh, don't um, Gregory Bird. But keep on going. So the bases are loaded, no one out. Neil Walker has a professional at-bat, and he walks. Also, keep in mind, Sergio Romo was going to try and go for a throw-out save in this scenario. He got he got nothing. He got the last arrow in the, in the eighth inning, but he got nothing in the ninth. They bring in the lefty, Adam Clark, to face Greg Bird. And you think it was a four-pitch walk to Neil Walker, right? You think it at least take one pitch, right? You You kind of have to. It's a new pitcher, lefty-lefty matchup. See a pitch. You know, this is you know, this is part of the Aaron Boone approach of having good at bats, seeing pitches, waiting for your pitch. This is part of that approach. Hey Justin, I didn't tell you this at the game, but I kind of wanted to raise the pitch in that scenario. I disagree, but you know why? We'll we'll keep yeah. Why? Because Therese is a contact hitter, right? Yeah. And I think in RBI situations with Torres, nine times out of ten, he usually drives at least a run home. Pretty confident in that. What, Are you that what, confident? What, yeah, what you really needed someone to do there, and Greg Bird can do this, drive the ball. You needed the ball to be put in the outfield, you know, in any in any kind of shape, shape way or form. Obviously, you know, that didn't happen. So, so what happened? The first pitch, he pops up into foul territory, and they caught it. Like, the first pitch, you couldn't do anything else. Like, really? A pop-up? Again, it's, it's, it's just a case of wanting, wanting something good to happen too much. They, wanting, it, wanting, I, can't, um, I can't overemphasize this enough. You can just watch, watch this baseball team, and because these little things that they're doing aren't going correctly and they aren't going according to plan, when they have an opportunity to do something, 
obviously the pressure was really on since it was the in the bottom of the ninth. But the pressure to do something there was absolutely tremendous. Tremendous. So Greg Bird pops up in foul territory. Brett Gardner comes up. And what seemed like to be a really good move by Aaron Boone and the, you know management in that dugout, because initially it was Kyle Higashioka in the eighth spot. So Brett Gardner came in to pinch hit for Higashioka. So at first it was kind of like, why, why is Romine not coming in for Higgy? And then Gardner can come in for Robinson. Why are they putting Gardner first? And blah, 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 blah. And then they wind up just switching in the field anyway. That was no problem. You can just swap the positions on the on the lineup card. But it, you know, I, you know, Gardner came up, and it's like, hey, you know, that was a that was a pretty good move to put Gardner first. So you're kind of happy that it's the eighth spot in the lineup. And here comes the longest tenured New York Yankee who's had countless walk-off and magic moments. And what happens? He I don't know. I forget. He shook out. Bad, bad swings. Bad swings. Like they, they, they were chasing against this pitcher. It was, it was pretty embarrassing. To say I understand. It's the, I, I understand it's the lefty-lefty matchup. And the splits for both Bird and Gardner the splits aren't, you know, they're different. Gardner hits right-handed pitchers better. Bird hits right-handed pitchers better. But you need to have better at-bats, quality at-bats in that situation. Bad swings. Wanting it too much, trying too hard. Austin Romine, last chance. Bases loaded, two outs. A guy that has pretty good numbers, runners in scoring position. What does he do? Swing and a miss. Four pitches. Four pitches. I believe it was four pitches at least. It was four pitches. You're correct. So that that was it. That was it. And Aaron Boone, who had the opportunity to watch the game from the clubhouse and try to inspire his team and will his team to a victory by getting upset by what was by a game that was umpired by what seemed to be blind mice. He watched the game from the dugout and this team had to answer a lot of tough questions today. Tough, tough questions. Tough, 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 tough. I mean, how else, I mean, how else can you really describe it? I mean, tough. I mean, I just, that, it, that was just, that whole game, Justin, was like the zombie apocalypse. You you rather you would rather be somewhere else than be at that game. Plain and simple. So last episode we talked about Aaron Boone's approach. Talked about some pros to it. We talked about some cons to it. Drew Casey really evaluated this well. I kind of wish that he was on here today to maybe see if his answer would be a little bit different because this laissez faire approach. Laissez faire this hands-off approach of not really getting on guys. And let's now, again, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. And if anybody, anybody on Twitter thinks that these players don't care about not performing, I'm sorry, you don't get to be a professional baseball player. You don't get to be at this level and not care about your performance. Renata, would would you agree with that? 
I, I agree. I mean, they're, they're getting paid millions of dollars. I mean, they're being valued because of the performance. So you want you want to know what? Some of them are not making millions of dollars. Your first six years, your first six years of Major League Baseball, you have to have six years of Major League Baseball service in order and before you can enter to a free agent free agency contract. There's there is an opportunity, you know, with arbitration and stuff like that to make you know to make millions of dollars. But before you enter that kind of like arbitration period, I got I don't really know how that works. But before, in my mind, before you enter your six years and before you play six years of Major League Baseball service, you need to prove yourself. So to think that these guys just don't care, don't get me wrong. Are there moments where guys are extremely lackadaisical and lazy? Absolutely. You think that they just don't care about your, their performance and the way that they play? You're very wrong. I, 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 just want, I just want to put that out there. So Boone's approach. Laissez-faire, lackadaisical. I call it conservative that would that may have been a bit poor choice of wording, like I said last episode, but this is this is ultimately and this series. It's basically come. It, I mean, not only this series, but this month between this month the Red Sox, between the Red Sox, the horrible, horrible management of the bullpen against the Mets, bringing in AJ Cole in a one-run ball game. You're down by one run, bringing in A.J. Cole while Jacob DeGrom's on the mound for the other team. Yeah, so this approach of almost waving the white flag on baseball games, it's biting the Yankees in the ass. And other teams are definitely seeing it. And it's come to a head. What can go wrong for this Yankees baseball team with this kind of lackadaisical, laissez-faire approach. What, ha- what can go wrong with the approach has gone wrong this past month. And do you know what I hate the most? What? Giving everybody a day off. I, now, I get that. I but, but, get But here's that. the thing. Here's the thing. Do you know what month we're in right now? We are in the month of August. We're two weeks away from September baseball, okay? This is the home stretch. The Yankees haven't clinched anything yet. There's still the only three games that has Oakland for the third wild card right now. Right. Like, they haven't clinched anything. Right. And, I, and the worst part is that we have our two best hitters hurt right now. So I think it's all man's go if you can play. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry to say this. And you want to know how the Yankees are playing right now? They're playing like they're 10 games behind Boston instead of only three games in front of Oakland. Right. I mean, that's that's ultimately where I I can I can only imagine how disappointed they are, and how really that must really freaking suck that you play this well. You have you are seventy five and forty six, and you are ten freaking games behind the division leader. That must I mean that that would take a lot of energy out of me if I'm in that situation. It's like. What the hell do I have to do to try to catch these guys? You have to change the approach. Yep. You have to change the approach. The energy has to change. Where you want to know what? This is the state right now. This is where we're at. We're 10 games behind Boston, but we're three games in front of Oakland. And baseball, 
It's 162-game season. I always go back to the early episodes of R2C2 where Ryan Rucco would ask CeCe Sabathia, you know, about pregame pep talks and sense, you know, the sensing the urgency in certain games. And CeCe's like, you want to know what? You know, CeCe has played in a, on a lot of baseball teams. He's played on a lot of bad baseball teams. He's played on a lot of good baseball teams. He's like, you want to know what? It's another day. It's another game. Everybody is mature enough, and the leaders of the locker room are smart enough to sense when you really got to win one, you know, when, when to have that urgency. So it's tough as fans where we take every game so seriously and how our day goes is shaped by how the Yankees play and all that kind of stuff, and we put so much emphasis on every single game when that's not necessarily the case. And Aaron Boone and that approach is the mechanism of what the actual approach of baseball is. And it bothers fans. It really bothers fans. Bothers me. Yeah, because at least Joe Girardi looked stood up I mean, for the player. Well he, well, he stood up for his players, yes. And that was one of the things that... John Boy pointed out today, and absolutely no doubt, Joe Girardi, Joe Girardi would have probably been thrown out in the first inning, let alone if he made the eighth inning. If he made the eighth inning, oh my God, it would have been one of those tossing, you know, throwing the hat on the ground, tossing dirt around home plate. He would have been calling the umpires blind. And you want to know what? He did it as a strategy. It's not. It it it's not a matter of I oh I disagree with the call. It's a matter of I'm going to get my guys pumped up and ready to play baseball. I can't. I, I have, you know, what, what else can you say? Really, what, what, else, what else can you say? I feel like we've talked about the same thing over and over again, and that's doing the little things right, which they're not doing. Well, that's, that's Keenum on. For and, change, change the approaches. And, like, this, this point of emphasis – and this energy source that this team just doesn't have right now. And where does that start? That's an easy solution. The players are going to have to do what they supposedly did last postseason. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they've, they rallied around each other. That's, exactly. that's, that's really what they did. Exactly. In spite of the manager, what the report said, true or false, I don't know. But the reports were saying that the players wanted to make a message. And I think, players, if you're listening, you got to make the same message. Whether or not Boone's going to help you out. You, you got to make a players-only meeting and be like, you know what? We have one mission. We got one goal. And that's to win the World Series. No matter what it takes to do it, you're going to have to suck it up and do it. But you want to know how difficult that is when management is running out Shane Robinson every single day? Do you want to know how difficult that I, is? I can ima- Listen, from a fan perspective, I get pissed. I can only imagine guys in the outfield be like, are you kidding me? Do you want to you know how difficult that is? Yeah. And, do you, and we didn't even talk about this. We've gone uh, around and maybe a little over 50 minutes to an hour. We haven't even mentioned Louis Sessa. We didn't oh, even no. mention the second oh, game of the series. Oh, man. You know how difficult it is to go out there and say, 
Today's the day we're going to turn around. Today's the day we're going to do the little things right. Today's the day where we're going we're gonna to start to see better pitches. And then you want to know what? And by the way, you play, you, you, play, you play a couple innings of baseball, and you're down 3 nothing. You're down 5 nothing. And then by then, the game's over. And you have no drive to come back. You have no drive to have a magic moment again because you know what you're going to get out of Sessa. You know what you're going to get out of Sonny Gray. And that's the, that's the difficult pill to swallow. You know what you're going to get out of Shane Robinson. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I 100% agree with you. You know what you're going to get out of Luke Voigt, <laughs> which Aaron Boone... Now, again, this... You can't really blame Luke, Aaron Boone for Luke Voigt because there was no way that Aaron Boone was scouting the <laughs> Arizona Arizona Cardinals. Wow. St. Louis, St. Louis Cardinals uh, AAA farm system watching Luke Voigt's minor league games. He didn't know who this guy hey, was when the Yankees listen, traded for him. Listen, with the, with the analytics people, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking anything's a surprise at this point. So, so yeah. I'm not thinking you saw on, on the jumbo transfer with, with all the, the guys at the computers. I'm like, these guys are probably like such nerds. <laughs> so so the nerds, the nerds of the Yankees <laughs> told Aaron Boone when a lefty's on the mound, <laughs> when Greg Bird needs a day off, play Luke Voigt. Run him out there two, three times a week. So God. somebody asked Aaron Boone, why is Luke Voigt continuing to be in the lineup? He said, well, we want to keep him relevant. Less than 24 hours after he answered that question and he had that, and he had that <laughs> answer, what do bye you bye. hear the Yankees PR department say? Bye-bye. Back down bye. to AAA. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, th- and that just proves, and this podcast has said this over and over again, I think I've said this, that Boone is hired to not only coddle the players, but be a blanket for front office decisions. And I, you know, that that's clearly, clearly the case because why would Aaron Boone come out and say that? And then less than 24 hours later, Luke Voigt is sent down to AAA. I'm telling you this right now. I do not listen to anything everyone says anymore because I know he's a puppet. Puppet. He knows his way around the media. He coddles them like he does his players. And there's, Really, nothing wrong with it. It's just annoying as hell. Very annoying as hell. The guy's doing his job. The guy is defending the front office. Right. Defending the players. But at what cost? And the cost is, you can argue, that he's the source. He should be the spark. Today he had the opportunity to be that spark. He didn't take it. And, and you know what's the worst part, Justin? What? I'm looking back right now in my, my nice little memory of mine, Joe Girardi, right? That the guy wouldn't want to answer any questions from anybody because he was irate at the players. He was he, irate at the way they he played. He was just annoyed at everything, the guy. I know. But at least he showed some emotion. You know what I'm saying? At least he showed like, like uh, he cared. That he he's invested in this team. He wants the best for this team. And Aaron Boone has not shown me one bit of that. He gives me gives us the same answers every single time. It's a win or loss. Same answers. It's 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 annoying. Like I want somebody to represent my team like a New Yorker would. 
someone that cares, I'll do anything for that city. Like, I, I. It's tough. I mean, it, 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 it really is. It really is tough. And Bokra, and, and here I promised that I would get to Bokra's, uh, Michael Bokra's little rant that he went on here. I'm going to read some, I'm going to read some highlights. First of all, he gives his deepest apologies for not being here. Ooh, we miss you, Boker. We love you. Boker, Boker, Boker. So Boone, you know, he, he just flat flats out and comes and says that he he cost us the Met game, you know, bringing in A.J. Cole in a one-run game. Games that should be won. You know, he, he, he's really, he really goes in on Boone here, and then he puts his expletives in there too. That, but we're, we're, I, I've made the decision, instead of we're a family-friendly podcast, we're a PG-13 podcast. I think that's fair. PG thirteen. We're a PG thirteen podcast. That's my that's my final decision. Um, many many a times, you know, you give up on winnable games, games that should be won, and you shouldn't lose it. God damn it, he says. So again, Boone's decision to call up Sessa instead of Sheffield. Now Boker wanted Sheffield. This is a good thing to talk about. So, CC Sabathia probably maybe going to miss one more start. Do we have an off day thrown in here that maybe that can count as a day on the DL and then he can come back for his next start? Or is CeCe going to miss one more start? The next day off that the Yankees have is going to be Monday. So, right. So, CeCe's probably going to come back for next start. But, I mean, here's... Okay, so here's... As, as of right now, Sessa is scheduled to throw against the Miami Marlins. Wow. According to my, my app. I don't know how accurate it is, but he's scheduled. So... Boker wants to see Sheffield, but the reason why Sheffield is a difficult kind of difficult situation right now to call up is because of the 40-man roster. He's not on the 40-man roster officially. Chance Adams is on the 40-man roster. Chance Adams threw well against the Boston Red Sox. What has Louis Sessa done in his major league career? That's just that, Justin. Out of Fenway, and your major league debut? Yeah, and what was Boone's reasoning for throwing Sessa out there? Because he has a little bit of experience. Oh, poor baby. Shut up. I don't yeah, know so experience he, nonsense. He used the experience model. Yeah. And yes, Louis Sessa has a lot more starts, and he has a lot more innings pitched in, than Chance Adams. But what can, really confuses me, this is the Tampa Bay Rays. This is not... This is not the Boston Red Sox. Obviously, Chance Adams had to pitch against the Boston Red Sox. So that was that was a matter of necessity. It wasn't a matter of choice. Mm-hmm. But neither here nor there. Why are you going with the experience route when you're at the time still ten games behind Boston, nine games behind Boston, and you had of a you know I I would say there's a big difference in my mind between a four game lead on a wild card and a three game lead on a wild card. There's a big difference in my brain. Four, five-game lead on a wild card. And that's still, you know, you're still pretty comfortable and you're still pretty confident in the Yankees that they're going to be able to have home field advantage for that wild card game. If we make it. If, well, I mean, I'm, I'm still pretty confident in that. Let's just, even though, we, even though we're, we're calling for the sky to be falling, I'm still pretty confident in that. You're going to call up Louis Sessa instead of Chance Adams, even though we already know what Sessa is. Like I, I don't, I don't understand that. Like, why are you conti- again? And it's it's clearly a front office decision, because even before Boone came along, 
Sessa would be the guy that would just continually be thrown out there. Why not give the kid another shot, Chance Adams, after a stellar outing in Boston? If he did it, I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, the formula of if he did it against Boston, he'll do it against Tampa Bay. But who gives you the better shot to win at this point? Chance Adams, no, no question about it. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen him pitch that much, but let the kid pitch. Right. Let him pitch. And you want to know what? In terms of giving a spark to a baseball team? That'd be a nice spark. Hey, you want to know what? I'm a bit more jazzed up. I'm a bit more giddy if I see, you know, if I check the lineup one day and I see that Chance Adams is pitching again. If I'm Giancarlo, I'm a, I'm a bit more excited to, to put up, to strap up my cleats and, and, get, go, and get going to work. How about Happen Lynn? Look how they've been doing. That's oh, they came on. It is, they've been, what is, what's it? They've what been knighted. God sense, Godspell, God sense. What is that? What is that God, phrase? God. Say that again. God sense. Oh my God. Have they ever? What, what move? I mean, give, give Cashman credit on that. Really? No matter how much we're, you know, nagging on the front office today and nagging on Boone, give him credit for that. I will get him credit for that. Oh my God. Lance, especially Lance Lynn. Who is, you know, who the hell is Lance Lynn? I remember when we got him, like, really? Lynn? And, you know, still, I'm like, eh, it's Lance Lynn because I'm kind of just waiting for this moment where I'm going to be like, well, there you go. That's Lance Lynn. But the dude is, you want to talk about a spark. You want to talk about a spark plug. Jay, Jay Happ, with his energy and the way, get the ball pitch the ball, get the ball, get the call, throw the ball, get the, you know, it, it's, it's movement. He, he moves, he moves the game along. And the way that Lynn deals, he's talking to himself on the mound. He's making inappropriate groping to his <laughs> genitals every time he strikes someone out. It's this wave and stench of masculinity that this baseball team drastically needs. So these two guys, these rentals, who everybody was just like, meh, eh, neutral about, very meh, they've saved the day. Mm-hmm. So continuing Michael Boker's letter. So in terms of experience, Louis Sessa, hell, if I wanted experience in this effing game, I would have effing pitched Don Larson to pitch instead of that bozo Sessa. So we automatically give up another winnable game. So that should have been won. So Boker's arguing that, you know, hey, maybe we should have won that Met game. And, hey, maybe it would have happened. Um, well, on to today's debacle. The umps, the umps can go bleep themselves, according to Michael Boker, for being blind as bats the whole game. He would have loved Aaron Boone to be ejected after, quote-unquote, Giancarlo Stanton's home run. Would have sparked a fire for this spineless, dull offense. That's a good, that's a good phrase. Bird, Gardner, Romine, he wants them to take a vacation. It's tough for it's tough to ask any kind of any kind of team to take a vacation. Um, because, wait, 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 because wait. we have nobody left on the roster. He wants a vacation. He wants them to take a vacation after today. <laughs> Who's gonna be a catcher? He goes yoke the whole time. Yeah, oh boy. Um <laughs> but no, we have to swing at pitches that Stevie Wonder wouldn't have swung at. Wow. <laughs> Bokra is sick of losing and giving up on winnable games and winnable series against terrible teams. 
only a few games up on the wild card. So every game and series is important from here on out. Spark the fire. Get something started for this offense. P.S. Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge. Boker misses you. Needs the guys to get better. Better than ever. Boker says go Yankees. And Boker, I guarantee he would absolutely agree with me. Where basically, Renato, I think we're going to probably wrap up. And maybe I'll ask you to get get your final thoughts. And if you want to have any other rants, you go for it. Yankees need to play. Like they have a three-game lead on the wild card, not like they have a 10-game deficit on the Boston Red Sox. You know what I'm going to say to that? What? I wanted to play the one-game deficit in the wild card. I play every game is 162. Going into this weekend series against the Blue Jays, right? I want them to sweep these guys this weekend. Go out of Miami, sweep them too. And then go to Baltimore and win three out of four. How does that sound? Winnable games. You know, that's that's the one thing that this second half of the schedule, that that's what you say. You there know, it, it's, no. it's kind of boring. You know, to be honest, like, you know, the Yankees aren't really playing that anybody interesting besides Boston and when they take their West Coast trip out to Seattle and Oakland. And, oh, boy, is that going to be a fun time. I can't wait for that. Um, bit of sarcastic tone in my voice there but that's why these games are so important they have to take advantage of they didn't take advantage of well no they're home for toronto they're not taking advantage as much as they should during this home stretch because they're about to go down to Miami in florida for two games against the marlins which should be winnable and then they're about to go to baltimore and they've stunk against baltimore Including they have a doubleheader on Saturday. So it's, you know. We might be sus again on Saturday. You're looking at these games and you're like, they should be winnable. But yet as a Yankee fan, somehow you don't feel com- you don't feel com- confident and you don't feel comfortable. Well, has this stretch of games proven to you otherwise? Nope. And you know what's pitching tomorrow? The wave of masculinity and mm-hmm. the hero, not that we need. But the hero that we deserve, Lance Lynn. So I want him to, Lance Lynn, if you're listening to this, I want you to go out tomorrow and show your masculinity, pa. Okay? Lance and Lynn is the, definitely listening to this podcast. And, and, and for all your other Yankee guys out there, you know what you guys to do? Wake up, smell the coffee, and be the team that you are. This team was supposed to be a good team this year. And I still got faith in you guys. But you got to wake up. Do the little things like Justin said. Do the little things. You control the things that you can control. And those are those little things that requires a baseball team to be good. If you do that, it starts from there. And you hope it produces wins. But if you don't do those things right, then good luck. So so when's the next podcast? I want to make a prediction right here. Uh, I don't know when the next podcast. Maybe, maybe Monday. Maybe we'll do one after the Toronto series on Monday. All right. You sure? The only a little too soon. I don't know. We'll talk about it. But just, just, just make your prediction. Make, make your prediction about whatever you want to make it about. Yankees are sweeping Toronto. Yankees are sweeping Toronto. Guarantee sweeping. And if you don't sweep Toronto, you know what's going to happen? 
Hashtag Fire Boone will start on Twitter. Oh my gosh! All right, so who who's the who are the pitchers we got going? We have Lance Lynn going against Marcus Stroman. Okay. We got Sevy against Retholi, who just came up from the minor leagues. Hopefully, Sevy can stop tipping his pitches and get back to normal. Sevy. Okay. So what's the third game? His old team, Hap. Two of two out of the three Yankees' best pitchers right now are pitching, and their should be ace is pitching. Right. So I'm confident. If, I'm confident. If you don't I mean I'm not going to say if you don't sweep this series, no, the Yankees have a huge problem. That's a very that's a very sports radio thing of me to say. But I, no, I mean, say it, say it, the say table is set. The table is set. Hopefully we could sweep them. We're talking about this on Monday, being a happy, happy podcast and of a negative one because, as we all know, we hate negative. We hate talking bad about the Yankees. We really do. We love very, the Yankees. Very sad. Want, I mean, it's um, I feel like a lot of this podcast was just us and utter disbelief. We we had to wash all all the rain out from us, all the sweat. Oh. What's the worst, the worst thing after you get back from a day game that you lose? The sweat. You lose. Well, it's the sweat. But you just, it feels like the loss is just like dirt, metaphorical dirt that's just covering your entire body. And you just need to like wash it off. It's an, it's an, it's incredible. It's, ugh. but I, most of this podcast is just like being like, uh, 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 because we, we're in shock about what happened today. And you like to think that this is rock bottom. Um, I th- I certainly thought the game four Sunday night baseball, the Boston series were rock bottom. Apparently not. You know, here we are. You have, you know, again, you have an opportunity to go out there against bad teams and win games. It is up to the New York Yankees and the Evil Empire if they want to do that. Renato, final thoughts. We're getting out of here. My final thought is let's go Yankees. Let's go Yankees. Keep on bleeding blue. Go Yankees, go Yankees, go Yankees. Go Giants, go Giants, go Giants. Keep on bleeding blue, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Hang in there. We'll be all right, Yankee Nation. We got this. We got this. Have faith. Peace.